The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. I always approached the dinosaur thing when I was a little kid the same way that, you know, I later would favorite books and music where you're like, you want something kind of cool and popular but not not too obvious. For you your know, favorite you're... dinosaur, you Yeah, mean. yeah, yeah. Like in, oh. the same, in the same way as like, you know, when you're a white kid uh, growing up in the suburbs, your, your favorite indie band can't be the best indie band mm. because everyone yeah. else likes them. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, you know what, Ankylosaurus. <laughs> nice. Tenakoto Katoa. My name is Toby Manhai. This has gone by lunchtime. It's just after 9am on Thursday, October the 12th. And 48 hours now, an eerie calm will consume the nation ahead of a tradition, weeks and years in the making, the result of which could define so much in the years to come. As well as the World Cup quarterfinal, there is an election this weekend. Mm. Heidi Mai for the last time, this side of polling day, Annabelle Lee Mather. Kia ora. Kia ora, Ben Thomas. Kia ora. Over there, Tiahi Butler, our producer and um, source of great inspiration. The kind of mm. the kind of smooth, unlined face of someone who hasn't been paying <laughs> that much attention to the election campaign. That's <laughs> true. Is radiating a sort of sense of calm yeah. and sort of restfulness. I've been, <laughs> I've been following closely to everything on the spinoff.co.nz. Having a great time. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks, It's amazing. Um, yesterday was a, was a sort of big poll day, three polls yesterday. There was the Guardian Essential poll in the morning. And the two, two big TV polls, Read Research, News Hub, and Varian. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, One News. Um, I wish everyone said it the way you did. Well, how, should, how do you say it? Well, don't they say Varian, but the way he says it is Varian, and it oh, just, like it just elevates. It's like the way you it say elevates the Mojo. results. That's how, how I say mojo, which I don't mean to do. I think I got it off your very end. Um, so there was a lot of uh, mojo in the very end and the read. <laughs> I think, no, the mojo levels were dropping, weren't they? Oh, the mojo, the mojo levels. The mojo levels were, were tapering off like a graph of my enthusiasm for the selection <laughs> campaign, <laughs> kind of starting to flatline. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, it's true. The, the message of the polls, to be clear is that Labour falls from an historic majority, single-party majority government to <coughs> lose. That's the top line. Having said that, uh, it's not quite as big as a loss as it, based on these polls as it would have been several weeks ago. National wins, but it's not at all the win that has been talked about and imagined for so long. It's a win 
it's a three-way government that depends on the support of ACT and depends on the support of New Zealand First. And that has kind of been the overwhelming theme, I would argue, of the last fortnight is how we got from there to this. Ben Thomas, what happened? Well, I've been listening to interviews. Um, One interesting feature of this campaign, much more so than I think anyone that we've had in the past, is that the campaign chairs have been enlisted almost as a sort of full-time kind of spin alley to kind of give real-time commentary on their own and other campaigns. Yeah. Um, And in, in these interviews, what I have deduced is that uh, the relative rise in New Zealand First's polling by about, on average in the polling, it's risen by about 1.5% over the last uh, three weeks. Mm. Uh, National has either stayed static or dropped somewhat. ACT has dropped significantly in the last few weeks from sort of around, you know, that kind of 12, 13 mark to around 8 or 9. Yep. And the only thing we know for certain is that it's not because of the National Party video where Christopher Luxon explicitly ruled in Winston Peters and said that he would pick up the phone if he had to to form a government uh, three weeks, one week before voting started and three weeks before polling day. Mm. Um, that has been ruled out by, <laughs> by the National Party as, as a cause. <laughs> um, um, but, I mean, look, that's, that's clearly what happened. Um, that, you know, National uh, New Zealand First had been... Well, just to go back... A, just Can to go, I just say, to go, just, yeah. we, I mean, I think it would be remiss of us not to give full credit to New Zealand First campaign manager Chris Bishop and the incredible job <laughs> that he's done for them over the last couple of weeks. It's remarkable. I, I just, I just want one thing, one thing to add to that is that the reason that that video was put out has to be because the polls were telling them that the New Zealand New Zealand First were there, were there or thereabouts, were five or five, between five and six, because the plan had been to ignore them. And that might have worked, you know? I mean, there is, you know, you can argue the counterfactual. It didn't work. It, you know, I mean, the, it, it doesn't work. The, the To pretend Winston Peters doesn't work, doesn't exist doesn't work. Winston Peters had 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 collected together a bunch of disaffected people to get himself there, and then it was unavoidable. So all I would say is, it's not that video that took Winston Peters over the five percent. The rolling in video or the rolling out video? The rolling in video. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, no, but I think Did it, I say rolling out. No, I'm just getting confused because there's been so many like National Party Winston I videos. Right. I can't keep well, up. Okay. And that's the next thing, right? Is yep. that so? Yeah, you're right. New Zealand First had been rising and they were borderline. Uh, It's probably likely that the internal polling was showing that they were more over 5% than they were under 5%. Uh, And there had been pressure on Christopher Luxon to to say something about it. He had been talking about it's a hypothetical if New Zealand First are in. They're not in Parliament right now. I don't have to take a position. Yeah. Now, the other counterfactual is you just don't rule it in or out. You, You say we will... We will try and form a government with whatever the voters give us after uh, October fourteen, um, and and that really that answers the question. I you know I understand that they were facing a lot of pressure, um, and they were facing a lot of pressure on a number of fronts. This is when they were also taking a real hammering, uh, you know, in terms of more you know people asking for more detail on the tax policy, um, and, and you know maybe they thought, look, 
you know, we're not able to give enough sort of concrete answers, here's something that we can deliver, or we're not able to give enough concrete answers to the satisfaction of, you know, the, the, the press gallery, you know, on the campaign trail. Here's something where we can give a definitive answer, and yeah, unfortunately it was a two-part answer. The first part was, look, we will try and cut it, we will cut a deal with New Zealand first if necessary. The second part, which got lost in the noise and sort of was rendered relevant, was that's not what we'd like to do. Uh, because at that point you're putting qualifications on something you've already said you'll do. You know, it's sort of like saying, um, you know, I, you know, I, after I give you twenty dollars, then I start asking you for things in return. You know, it's it's already done. Then what happened is that in trying to explain that second piece. Uh, and and to try and reel that back. So saying, look, we weren't giving the green light to voters to go to Winston Peters. In fact, we were saying that's the last thing we would really want. It was amplified and amplified. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it becomes this kind of Larry David, um, you know, curb your enthusiasm thing. We are sort of like, oh no, well, what I meant to say is, well, and then you're explaining the explanation, and then you're trying to perfectly calibrate it. So John Key, you know, they released the John Key video where he's obviously spent the last seven years out of politics, like working on his Kiwi accent because it is a thing of majesty. Um, and Did, was it? I didn't notice that. Was it a particularly Oh, New Zealand. He's just he's just in the finest form of his vocal maybe life. It a, maybe, it was um, a, maybe it was an AI junkie. And he, you know, and and he sort of said, you know, he was very strongly encouraging people without mentioning New Zealand first to vote for national. But then, you know, he went on the morning shows and they said, so you're saying national shouldn't work with New Zealand first? And he was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not saying that. And so it, it becomes this sort of... Uh, excruciating millimetre by millimetre sort of attempt to calibrate your position exactly right, which just serves to keep New Zealand first in the centre of the debate with all of the attention on them. Yes. Sucks all the oxygen out of the room, particularly for ACT, uh, you know, the preferred coalition partner for National. So, you know, that's contributed to... We've been running a campaign for three years. We've been running a campaign for three years who, by most agreement, had the most disciplined caucus um, in Parliament who have been, you know, pumping out sort of, you know, laboriously sort of put together policy, you know, whether you agree with it or not, there's lots of footnotes, there's lots of, you know, explanations, there's lots of like sort of rigorous working, you know, New Zealand first sort of at their leisure just kind of facts out sort of sort of... <laughs> chuck, a, chuck a PDF onto the internet and see what happens. Give a few speeches at some halls just, around just, the just country. Just some extraordinary stuff. You and know, then the you get like the Dargaville Aerodrome project. Just the Dargaville Aerodrome project on which so many of our hopes were pinned just drops away immediately. <laughs> it's no longer in the manifesto, but we do have a promise for some Theranos-like sort of immediate diagnosis of all illness. <laughs> hey, has somebody has anybody deleted that demand for a free trade agreement? Trade agreement with Russia, that's got to go. <laughs> Annabelle, and then we've got this to the point where, I still think this is unlikely, but I was hypothesising about it last week, and the Guardian Essential Poll had this scenario, a nightmare scenario of New Zealand First overtaking ACT. I still don't think that's going to happen, but there it is in a proper poll. I mean, it's just, it's it must be, I mean, the level of fury within the ACT war room must be something to behold. Um, it's an incredible thing to think, whereas not that long ago there was there was a conversation about whether or not New Zealand First had even a chance of making it back. Mm. Yeah, I mean, 
if you'd asked most people six months ago if you thought this would likely that they'd say, I'd never rule out Winston Peters, and everyone else would roll their eyes and think it's cliche. But as it turns out, it's completely correct. And I think, you know, just to go back a, a, a bit further into the whakapapa of how this happened, I do think that when Chris Hipkins ruled out working with New Zealand First, that also played... Ruled, in. ruled No, Hipkins ruled, ruled out, out. Oh, working Hipkins. with... With Sorry. New Zealand first, that, yes. that kind of got the ball rolling. After but, having been ruled out themselves. Uh, after yeah, having yeah. been ruled out themselves, yeah. so it was sort of unnecessary for Hipkins to do it, given that it was a New Zealand first play. had. Yeah, yeah except I, I think that at that point, then the game for the media became putting pressure on Luxon to rule them out or rule them in. Sure. Um, Luxon had sort of ankle tapped himself in that while he kept saying, oh, it's only hypothetical at this point, he'd already hypothetically ruled out Te Pāti Māori, so he kind of was under pressure to to come up with a more solid answer and stop dancing he around the head He couldn't say, I don't do any of that, I don't engage in rulings yeah, out, because he'd done it. Because he'd done it already, and I think, you know, history will show that you know, if you're talking about someone, then they're already winning. And I think Guyon Espiner is right when he talks about the strategic ineptitude of how the New Zealand First situation has been handled. I was thinking about, you know, the archetypal MMP National Party campaign ad as crafted by Stephen Joyce in whenever it was. Was it 2011 or 2014? Um, the rowboats. The rowboats. The Eminem, not actually Eminem, Eminem-esque, pretty legal, dun, 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 dun. and you have this. This is the this is the opposition uh, offering with all these motley different colours rowing in different directions versus our sleek boat. Mm. And some of that was nodded at in the early part of the national campaign when the coalition of chaos was coined. But the boat now, <laughs> if you were to if you were to imagine the boat, it's like there was like it's like there's this sort of smudge in the depths of the water approaching the yellow and blue boat. And Christopher Luxon says, Don't worry about that. That's nothing. <laughs> and then it, it gets closer and it's just it's a it's a giant squid. And it's just hanging hanging on the back of the boat and then Luxon goes, Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We can work with that squid if we have to. Also, I don't know what that is. I've never seen it before. <laughs> I don't know about any squid. And then they keep on trying to yeah. go. The yellow people get more frustrated. <laughs> and then the squid boards the boat. <laughs> and they start skipper bishops starts harpooning the fucking squid, going cracking, 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 trying to <laughs> kill the squid. <laughs> and then he says, we're going to need to get a new boat if we still have the squid. Luxon says, which we can work with if we need to. This is fine. We're going to need to get an entirely new boat. The boat starts sinking. And that's that's what that's the proposition. That's as as laid out. And we've got to this That's probably weird... a better summary than <laughs> everything that's just been offered. We've got this weird situation where everyone was warning about a negative and fear mongering campaign and National has turned its guns on itself. It's being negative and fear mongering about a governing mm. arrangement that it leads. Mm. I mean, what a what a mess. Oh yeah, they fucked up. I mean the <laughs> 
I mean, look, and there is the. Pro- I mean, look, there is no prospect of a second election, right? There, oh, sorry, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a, always a prospect. There, this is a, the weird thing. A, is there's that a in a way, Bishop, no, but, I mean, Bishop is right. There's always a chance, and you know, in any election oh, sure. in the world, there's a chance of a second election. And in, in, in a proportional environment, we see we see it in Europe, we see it in Israel. People go back to the polls. That's a real possibility. Tohenere has been saying that for the last six months that he thinks that it's probably going to end up being a hung election. But I think, you know, Chris Bishop's job at this point was to hold his nerve and to just keep running the party line to tax national. Just keep talking about how GST on fruit and vegetables is not going to work and none of the economists like it. Well, that, that's yeah. right. Liam Dan wrote a good piece in The Herald where he said, you know, there are... F- few things uh, in in New Zealand that the public agrees on more than not voting for Winston Peters. You know, 93.5% of the public currently Mm. agrees on not Mm. voting for Winston Mm. Peters. Um, Why you would put him at the centre of your discussion Mm. in the the two weeks of voting and the week leading up to it, uh, you know, it's crazy. Also, also just quickly on that, in the first part of the resurgence of the the Winston Peters (laughs) surge, he was being... The, the the worst version of himself, to, mm. to to my mind, I think I can say to our mind, with that whole I'm going to appoint myself broadcasting minister and sack you, Jack Tame, because you're corrupt, all that sort of nonsense. Now he's going on broadcast media and sounding like the adult in the room and saying, no, no, the people of New Zealand want stability. Of course I would. Of course oh, we would have to be stability, you know? right? <laughs> and, and this is why there's very unlikely to be a second election, unless you get an absolute hung where there is no way of getting a majority is that any party that is seen to have forced the second election will be punished mm. um, by me, who does not want a second election at the very least. Especially not this after this one. Of yeah. The, yeah, other parts yeah. of the electorate as well, I'm sure. And the, you know, and <clears throat> look, it's just maths, right? In all of these polls where... Where National Enact need New Zealand first for a majority, that that shows that uh, Labour, the Greens, to Party Māori could have a majority with New Zealand first. You know that's the maths of it. Yeah. And if if Luxon or and National can't come to an accommodation with Seymour and New Zealand first, then New Zealand first will go over and they will negotiate with Labour. And we heard uh, Megan Woods was on um, in her role as sort of, you know, campaign commentator slash chair mm. this morning on RNZ, and she was vociferous. She was emphatic. She said <clears throat> Chris Hipkins has absolutely 100% no ifs, no buts ruled out a coalition mm. with Winston Peters. Mm. And so now, not a support <laughs> arrangement like Labor had in two thousand and five. Mm. Oh, Winston oh, I see, I see what you mean. I see what you a mean. minister outside yeah, right, cabinet, right. and they form basically form the government. She's adjusting the language. She has, le- she has well, left a lot of both, room. And, and, and look, yeah. I, I know, I know, I know. You make this point, and, and you're right that history has lessons here. But I've never seen it so unequivocal from New Zealand First side. This is not the same as it was in the past. They've continued to issue messages to the point where it would be. A, a, a sort of a betrayal of a promise that I don't think we've seen before. What if, on both oh, I sides? I think that he can perform the mental gymnastics to get yeah. around that, though. And I do feel like if a National and in particular Bishop continues on the current trajectory of threatening another election and all of that, they really risk damaging their relationship with him. He's the type of person that takes those types of 
threats and games mm. incredibly personally. So they, they've all they, been noted they, in his little book. Yeah, yeah, they've all been noted in his little book. So I think they need to be very careful about how they play this out from from here with him because I wouldn't put it past Labor and Winston of saying, well, you know, because of what's happened, actually we've had to do this. Yeah, absolutely. The the ball's in national's court, right? Just like in 2017 when he didn't want to be propping up a fourth-term national government and his preference was to go with a new and inexperienced leader like Jacinda Ardern, uh, you know, who who had sort of real momentum kind of behind her. Mm. I, th- I think he would prefer to do a deal with National than a sort of third sclerotic mm. term of Labour based on mm. its current polling, you know, coming in at 30% or whatever on election night. Not to mention in, in 2017 just going to Annabelle's, you know, grudges recorded. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, Bill right. English was there then too. That's right. right. Yeah. It would help collapse the, the government way back in, in the 90s. And But but if, if National and ACT can't come to an arrangement, you know... The option won't, you know, the, the the consequence won't be that they go back to the polls. The consequence will be that the great statesman says the people of New Zealand rendered their verdict on election night. They told us to form a government with this parliament, and I am honouring their wishes. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the, but the, the, in the reality, union... if you put aside the obvious personality clashes between Winston and um, Seymour, Seymour. They actually agree on a lot of stuff. So surely, given how high the stakes are, those two will. I mean, they, they agree they'll, they'll on it, they agree on lot, but they're also kind of fundamentally different. Like if you think of the you know places from which they spring, one springs from thinking that the <coughs> Rogernomics and and euthanasia were an absolute betrayal of the core of everything that is New Zealand. The other thinks they didn't go far enough. <laughs> you know, like, so they yeah. they are kind of they are ideologically they they're 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 fishing in the same pond as far as a whole lot of stuff is concerned around one law for all around C- the crime rural vote stuff. around crime. But so yeah, so they could presumably find enough meeting points. Can I just say one is other... just an ordinary Maori from St Mary's Bay, and one <laughs> and is just is an ordinary, ordinary Maori, Maori from Epsom. From <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot in common there. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> last, last an example of proper <laughs> tikanga and play in New Zealand politics. Now, just, just, just quickly, I want to just mention this on the whole second election thing. Mm. Chris Hipkins has said that he would go to a second election before he would work with Winston Peters. That was asked. Derek Ching wrote a piece about it, you know, because that is the corollary of them ruling out. And it, to be fair, this is this is this is the mm-hmm. this is this is what it means when you say we absolutely hope to die, swear on the graves of my grandparents that we will not work with after the election. That's what it means. That they and 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 in a way isn't there some sense that that's not wholly responsible? I mean, I the, feel the, like you're the, believing politicians and what they uh, say maybe, too much. Maybe, yeah, like, I just, 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 I just, I just, I just, I mean, if you look at it, the, the MMP was designed for us to to have a, a set of different parties with a bunch of values. They come together after the election and then they form an agreement that makes it work. Now that's sort of worked to one degree or another, but isn't there some sense in which we're stuck in an FPP mindset where? The, the centre party, the New Zealand First, the one that could go either way, is saying, no, we're only going one way. Like, what's the point? Why don't they just form <laughs> coalitions in advance and we just go in and have an FPP-style election? Winston is not going to want to go back to the polls. He's been out of parliament for three years. 
they're just going to be glad to be back in Parliament and in a position of power. They will make a deal work with one of the parties. We won't. I don't think sure. we will end up in a second, sure. second election. I think what could happen is that they do form some sort of coalition or governance arrangement and and then the wheels fall off after about nine months. Sure, but I, 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 I don't I, think we're going to... I, I just mean... I think you're right. I don't think we're going, going to go back to the polls. But why do we – so why have we become a little bit fixated, much too fixated on the idea that everyone rules in, rules out, and that we know everything in advance? And I know that it's unfashionable to say that Top's position is is a, is a responsible – you know, to be talk about Top, but, you know, whether they can squeeze in or not. The idea of a party saying – leaving to one side what their manifesto is and values is saying, absolutely, we'll negotiate because these are the things that are our priorities. These are the things that are our priorities and we will talk to any of the major parties about working with them. Isn't that a mature MMP environment? Yeah, I, th- I think it would be. And you you know that certain combinations are not going to fly. You know that despite my friend and colleague, former colleague Matthew Houdin's remonstrations every three years, there will not be a teal deal. There will never be a Greens national coalition. Um, But at the same time, the Greens and National have worked together on memorandums of understanding when yep. the National have been in government. You know, there, there is and, no and reason... Could, and, and could do again. They, yeah. they told me that in an interview, yeah. There's, there's no reason why parties can't work together across the spectrum. Uh, I guess the, the only caveat is that when people are casting their vote, you know, you cast votes on a number of things. Back when I was a little um, 20-something nerd, I was like... Um, you know, oh, we sh- you should only vote on policy. You should just go through, look at the policy on the page, whatever you agree with. You know, if you agree with the most of it, you know, you vote for that or whatever. Mm. Now that I'm a 45-year-old nerd, you know, I'm sort of like, no, you've also got to take into account things like, well, how likely are they to be able to do this? You know, I mean, the, you, you might want to, um, you know, help New Zealand overthrow the Ukrainian government um, and vote for the Māori Party, but how likely are they actually going to be able to do that? In part, in, Dinosaurs, in you, vote, you vote on dinosaur <laughs> preferences a lot now. That's, that's right. We want mowers and dinosaurs cloned. We need to get Trevor Mallard back from, from Ireland where he's been on an archaeological dig to get DNA. Um, but, you know, I, you know, so there is a question of in terms of how can they, they get their program implemented you know, who can they work with, you know, are they able to enter into a government, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I, th- I think we do over-eg it. I think that the, twenty, you know, 24-7 news cycle, you know, they want, you know, it, it is demanded that you have concrete answers to everything immediately. Um, and I don't, th- you know, and I think in terms of, you know, speculative scenarios after the election, that's probably not that helpful um, because it does kind of end up pinning you into a corner. Yeah. I think voters should um, have a, the assurance of knowing what way their vote's going to, to go, how it's going to be used after the election, if it's going to support a left block or a right block. You know, I get that some centrist parties like to say, we'll see how the, the cards fall and whichever has the largest majority afterwards is how, we, how we'll how we go. Like, I think that's a reasonable position. I think what's unreasonable and what has happened in the past is when, is when parties adamantly rule out working with a certain side and then go with them anyway. I think that's a betrayal of the spirit of MMP. Who's done that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Let's talk about the Labour Party. Um, which we, you know, amazingly, it is kind of, you know, the, 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 there must be such a relief in the fact that they're, they're describing it as a surge. Being able to just, they're, they're back, back they're, up to twenty seven point five in nudged one poll. They're like, the surge is right. on. <laughs> that essential Guardian poll did put them over thirty, which, um, which I, I it seems to be higher than even their internals are telling them. That they're, poll they're on. seems to be out of step with other polls. Now, yeah. it, may, it might turn out to be right, but it's three iterations it's have a, been it, out of step. With it other seems polls like an exaggeration of the trends that we're seeing in other polls. That, I think. That's right. It, it tends um, to cluster national and Labour sort of together in the low low thirties. But do, does does Labour, yeah, their idea that they're now now they've got lots of wind in their own sails and everything is turning around. You know, well, you know, a million people have voted already. Um, do they have a path to power? Do you guys think? I mean, Audrey Young uh, wrote a piece for the Herald in which she explored what would need to happen, and they had quite a cool. Um, uh, Chris Knox did quite a cool little data visual thing where you could toggle to see how you things go, oh, would move. Just 1% off here and 1% yeah. off there. And, 1% and it basically off- needs a whole – you need to basically win Powerball and Scratchy Ticket. You need to win everything. This, they would, you know, so that's, that's how it would need to fall. Having said all that, Ben, I mean, you do, if you look at the polls last time, uh, the last two TV polls – have you got that there, um, Annabelle? The last two TV polls in 2020 uh, gave, gave – undercounted Labour mm. and overcounted National versus their result, right? Um, now, I think that was probably an aberration to do with a very high turnout and turnout is a big deal. Um, but is there a scenario where we've seen it happen in elections around the world, in Australia and Spain and various places, where the polls are a bit out, there's a bit of a shift in mood, mm. and that on Saturday night we're sitting there going, holy shit. I mean, look, we can't rule it out in the first, and, and the major reason for that is that the way the polls have shifted over the last uh, six weeks have shown that campaigns do seem to matter day to day. You know, the things that happen in a week do seem to affect the polling. Because um, we've had a few campaigns where they've felt like it hasn't, Yeah, right? and yeah. in 2017 it did. In 2020 what really sort of happened was um, – you know, in 2020, the reason I think there was there was that uh, under, that overcount of national was what we've seen is that a lot of the time in MMP elections, if the major party, um, usually the opposition party, but um, you know, in this case, it would probably be the government, is really struggling and hits the twenties, their support kind of falls off a cliff in that last week as people either stay home yeah. or you know look for for an alternative in the minor parties. Now, I think. 
what label will be really happy about is its quote-unquote surge suggests that that may not happen to them this time. They may not go down from 26 to 24 or 23 or something on election day. And they might be able to stay up there or even improve their vote. Because that energy translates into turnout? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, so turnout is the big question here, right? It's a a truism, but it's critical. I was looking back at the, the Stephen Levine book about the 2005 election and you know, that election which has been used as an analogue for this one in many ways and in many ways it is, in many ways it isn't. The, 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 they put it down to, there's a, there's a lovely bit with, um, who's the Australian um, polls guru for ABC? Uh, he, 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 he relates walking down Ponsonby Road at 8pm uh, on Friday night and Helen Clark was still out campaigning and they went so hard all the way to the end on doing the cliche alert ground game and just bringing people out, bussing people out, knocking on their doors, getting them to the polls. That's what's critical, right? I I remember seeing Helen Clark that night at Galbraith's. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, She she did a sweep and um, probably see all the old unionists there, I guess. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, look, I, and, and that's the, the, that Anthony Green, is that his name? Yeah. Sorry. That's the election that, you know, that, you know, sort of in a simplification, people say South Auckland turned out and saved Labour. Sure. Now, everyone's been predicting a low turnout election. What we've seen is much lower advanced voting than last uh, election, you know. Much lower than last election, but higher, higher than 2017. 2017. Uh, and so... It's unclear. Is that an is that an indication of lower turnout across the board, or is it an indication that twenty twenty was just a super aberration because of COVID and people didn't want to wait in lines or whatever? Um, and and a, a lot will depend on that. You know, if if there well, is also there were more polling booths and there were more days in advance. There were voting. more days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, if if we have a comparable sort of turnout, I don't think we'll get up to eighty two percent. But if we have a high turnout again, that's going to help Labor. Um, if it's you know these are just the sort of traditional rules of turnout, which is that low turnout helps uh, conservative parties, uh, high turnout helps uh, left wing progressive parties. So you know, if you get near eighty percent again, um, that would you know definitely help Labor. That suggests that they might go up a little. Um, There's been a lot of talk about the undecided vote, uh, which is still reasonably high, about 10% on most of the polls. Mm -hmm. And some speculation that it may be a lot higher than that because undecided voters aren't picking up the phone and talking to pollsters. Yeah, uh, I would tend to think that in a lower turnout election, undecided voters simply won't vote. Just vote, yeah, okay. Um, You know, what's really going to matter is... um, people who sort of had decided and had decided to vote national or New Zealand first or something and they're going back to Labour. Mm. And, you know, is there much more scope for that with three days to go? Well, who knows? There's another leaders debate. You know, these things get watched by a huge amount of people. Mm. It's actually it's actually pretty crazy when you sort of think a million, 1.1 million supposedly watched that first TV1 leaders debate. It's the closest to sort of monoculture that we kind of have in, yep. um, in TV land now. Um, and if you've still got, you know, if if you if you think the turnout will be similar to Nick, uh, last year uh, or last election, you know, still seventy percent of people almost to vote. So, um, you know, the, you know anything. Look, anything's possible, but you know, uh, everything has to sort of fall into place for them. 
I don't think it's impossible. I think that, you know, it, we can see from the 2020 election that the left bloc's count was quite significantly um, underestimated in the polls in the lead up. And so I think it is possible. I think that, you know, National may have peaked too early, that the con- the, the um, confusion over some of their policies, the criticism of the attacks policy, the landlord stuff, um, the managing of the relationship with New Zealand First seems to be helping to drive Labour's vote back up and theirs down. What I'm really interested to look at this election is the international vote because we know in the past that the international vote tends to favour the left. But I'm curious to see how COVID and the way the government managed that has has impacted that vote. And, you know, obviously there was a very noisy lobby group, Grounded Kiwis, that kind of gave the impression that New Zealanders living overseas felt abandoned and hate New Zealand now. So I think this election will be a bit of a litmus test about whether that was a a widely held view or if, in fact, it was just a couple of... I mean, the the international vote tends to really support, I think I'm right in saying, the the Green Party. And Mm. I think whether or not people would hold the Green Party responsible for So Mm. it may be that the the Green Party hold theirs, but whether or not it affects Labour, you know. Mm. The only other thing worth remembering is that when we talk about the special vote, a a minority of the special vote is an overseas vote. Mm, Most of it is people who are voting in New Zealand but not in their own electorate. Electorate. Um, So... Uh, the, the, when you look at the special vote as a whole, that isn't what Annabelle's Travelers talking about. It. It's the overseas component yeah, yeah. of that that, that, that yeah. reflects that. What else? I mean, what else about that? We haven't, speaking of the Greens, I mean, a lot of what they have managed to achieve is by holding on and accepting the defections of voters on the left, right? But they need to be commended for a pretty remarkably successful campaign, given they've had some hiccups in campaigns on the past. They've held their line. They've they've stuck stuck really mm. clearly to their answers. It's so easy to get caught up in the who would you support, all the stuff we've been talking yeah. about, the bottom line's rolling in. They've stuck, stuck incredibly disciplined fashion to their lines on that. They've laid out substantial policy documents. Um, they perhaps haven't faced quite the level of secu- scrutiny you could argue that the right have because the polls haven't suggested that they like to be part of a government. Mm. But James Shaw, Madam Davidson, just you know, don't you know, being being visible and and if you look at the Google um, searches after the debates, performing pretty well. I mean, mm. how would you rate the Greens' performance, Annabelle? Oh, well, they've um, achieved an extraordinary feat by being a, a minor party that went into a coalition and actually managed to grow their support as a result of it. And to be fair, that may not necessarily be because of the way they performed in the coalition. I, I think that probably qu- quite a significant amount of that vote is how annoyed left-wing voters feel about um, Labor and their position on, mm. on um, a wealth tax but nonetheless extraordinary, particularly given what a crappy coalition deal, a deeply ungenerous coalition deal they, the they got from Labour. And the, and not the, even a coalition, was yeah, it? It was yeah. just, here's a, here's a couple of warrants. Yeah. yeah. But I think Martimer Davidson has put on a remarkable um, performance as co-leader over the course of the campaign. The way she's performed in the Bates has debates has been 
I think, incredibly strong. Same with with James Shaw. I feel like we've really come to see who James Shaw is as a person. Um, during the debates, he's come across as um, just more personable, more likable. You know, I liked the ways um, he remind when, when there was the discussion about law and order in one of the debates. He talked about, you know, I know what it's like to be a victim. I got beaten up mm. on my way to work one day. Just those really human moments. I think. The also Greens funny. Have, I think it's easy yeah, to think of James so Shaw as quite, you know, he is quite nerdy and he is mm. quite serious. And he does talk a lot of, you know, people who talk about the emissions trading scheme a lot aren't necessarily seen to be the life of the yeah. party. But he, he, I think he's let his funny side come through a bit. And, and right also there. a little bit of bite too. Like he, you know, ran some lines against um, David Seymour that during the debates yeah, got yeah. some of the, the biggest laugh and the biggest that's, kind of audience right. response. And I think people will have sort of seen him as a little bit of a wet blanket. So to see him kind of having a little bit of a bite um, has appealed as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, James Shaw has eaten a lot of shit over the last two parliamentary <laughs> terms. Um, yeah, most of it from his own party, you know, sort of get, getting rolled in favour of no one as leader, um, you know, having having the plum seat of Wellington Central sort of presented on a platter by Grant Robertson and then they sort of you see the then young get people text going, messages and you know t- to his credit you know doesn't never seems to create a fuss. Just comes out and see. You know when he's asked about it, just says, so true. "Oh no, look, you know, old white guys like me. It's time that we got out of the way for young leaders like Tamitha Paul. You know, he's eaten a lot of shit, and he's finally, you know, and he is. He's, you know, it's paying dividends for him, um, and and for the party. Um, you know, he even looked happy yesterday when he was talking about the poll results on TV3, I think, uh, to maybe Well, TV I think one. the likelihood is... If and I it's just going to be even more of a surprise when, you know, the 18 new Green MPs right. all, like, jump him and shove him into well, a gravel pit. Except, <laughs> except the you, I think it's... Assuming it's a national government, I think the likelihood is that he will say, well, I, there's not, I'm not going to stick around for another mm. six years. And so... Unless national, uh, we try something new and they appoint him climate change minister, <laughs> which you know, um, then I think he'll probably he'll probably uh, stand down. And uh, being a list MP, you know, makes that more straightforward. But then to leave sort of sixteen or seventeen Green MPs would be quite something. What about Te Party Māori? I mean, and about I kind of it seems to me they were doing running a brilliant campaign from Parliament, mm. <laughs> in Parliament, being visible, being on the news, being funny, doing yeah. some stunts, appearing radical. In uh, the campaign, they slightly disappeared for me. Maybe maybe, maybe it's because I am looking at more mainstream media. Yeah, well, I just think that the Māori seats never get covered the same way other seats do. So, I mean, that's half the, the battle is that you're just not getting the same level of, of exposure as what other parties and other seats are. I think, you know, obviously they've had a tough one because um, because Rawiri's mother was sick during the campaign yeah. um, and then passed away a couple of weeks ago. So that's obviously, you know, been been a, a challenge for, for them in terms of what they've been able to do. And I think Deb did quite a lot of the heavy lifting at the start and Rawiri's um, uh, started to pick it up again over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. For me, I think, you know, the Hanarafati obviously has helped to um, draw attention to their campaign. But I think 
the most extraordinary performer in the Māori Party and Te Pāti Māori has been Takuta Ferris. Takuta Ferris has been absolutely phenomenal. His Mm -hmm. performance in the Stuff Debate, his performance in the Hui Debate. I mean, he... I don't know if you've seen the, the any of those, but the video of, of um, Takuta yeah. talking about climate change and relating it back, like really speaking to Ahika, mm. talking about, you know, for all the divers out there whose job it is to go and fill up a sack of, you know, kinners and keep keep kaimwana on the table for our tangies in 21st. You guys can see it yourselves. Mm. What's ha- You know, like really speaking to the people and running, I thought, you know, extraordinary and, you know, his... It's, his um, holding his own against Winston Peters and David Seymour, and I, I think it's such a shame that he's not higher up on the list because that's fifth, a, right? Fifth, standing in Te Taitonga, which, which is yeah, uh, and, and, and fifth, he's which put is. up a good campaign against yeah. Reno too. Yeah, Reno is like you know, is so incredibly well loved down south, but I think um, the the Titicatney name guarantees it was in that seat. I think. You know, Takuta and Hana Rafati, those types of candidates, they are the future of the Māori Party mm. and much respect to Mecca, mm. but but Mecca isn't, you mm. know, and I think that they should be trying to get people like Takuta much higher up the list and much more exposure for him because, man, he can really perform. And and that shows, I think, a weakness in their campaign. Um, I think if there have been two losers out of the campaign of the, the established parties... Um, well, I suppose you'd have to say Labour because their numbers started to really go down when the campaign started. But you know, ACT and the Māori Party were two parties that I think had a lot of had a lot of momentum going into the campaign, mm. and I think they've both stalled and, in fact, gone backwards. Um, the Māori Party, I think, it, it's a it's a strategic era because they have, you know, I think like Annabelle said, they've really focused on the electorates. Electorate campaigns don't get a lot of coverage mm. outside. Uh, outside, you know, the centres themselves, and even then not a lot because, you know, we've there's been a real downgrade in terms so, of so much less community local media. news, yeah, that sort of thing. So much of that is done centrally now. You know, that's why, you know, it's ridiculous, but that's why Auckland Central gets covered so much yeah, because yeah. it's closer to all the media. And if, if you want to get in, good candidates who have no chance of winning the South Island mm. and, you know, little bits of Wellington, um, you know, you need those party votes. But also, so, so you need to be getting votes from everywhere you can, but also the electorates, your electorate bids are helped by the national campaign. Mm. And the Māori Party have made a mistake that I see a lot of PR people do, which is it is quite a rookie one where you say we're targeting Māori voters, so we're going to go on Iwi Radio, we're going to go on Te Karade, we're going to go on Tao. But, you know, most Māori voters are watching, you know, to the extent they're watching media at all, they're watching the same thing everyone else is watching, which is One News and and Three News and TVNZ Breakfast. And that's actually how you get that coverage. And so by trying to be sort of flax roots, I think, the Māori Party have really kind of kneecapped themselves, I think, in this campaign. And to be fair too, that's a challenge for them because if, because if they don't make time for Māori media, we get upset about it because we're like, hey, we're Māori media. You should be prioritising us. We should be getting, you know, first dibs over any of the other networks. So, oh, for sure, So yeah. that's the balancing act that they face too is the kind of cultural obligations they feel to prioritise Māori media and real Māori media while still getting exposure. You're, you're 100% right, Ben. We've got to get out of here. 
Has anybody got any last last thoughts before we go to the polls? No, I tried to make a joke before, but it didn't work. Do you want to have so another go? No. No? no. What was that? No, was that Turtata? Was that the one about the tur- dinosaurs and the Turtata? Yeah. That was good. It was good. Just yeah. It was good. Stomping on the indigenous manner of Tuatara, but I'm not going to go there again. Let's not talk about it. Ben? Oh, look, uh, let's just end on a downbeat note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in, key, in keeping with this stupid fucking campaign. The, uh, <laughs> because, you know, look, it, it's been a sort of cost of living campaign. We've been beaten over the head with that for the last year and a half. And. Uh, as such, I actually don't think the public has been particularly well served on it um, by either politicians or media. Um, I think it's incredible that after the the flooding and the events in Te Taidafati mm. at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. that that just didn't figure. Yep. You no. know, it, I think there was one question about it um, uh, at the TV3 debate um, and it was a sort of what will you do kind of thing. Um, you know, but... No, we didn't really get into issues of climate change adaptation, which no. I think is one of the crucial things that came out of that and will affect the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, forestry was very cursorily, cursorily examined. Um, you know, so much of the stuff, you know, focuses on the minutiae of the 20 buck bid here and the $40 working for families bid here. And, you know, I look, we all know that that, can can be very powerfully part of what people vote on, but look, there is you know there is a wider world out there, and um, and and I, you know, and and I think it's a shame that you know both the the parties in particular, you know, just zero in on where their focus groups uh, go. You know, it's understandable, mm. but it's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Likewise for domestic violence, you know, there's a story in the paper the other day about a guy who killed the mother of his three children and drove her around in the boat. Um, and we've had no dis- meaningful discussions about domestic violence. It's all focused on ran raids and youth crime and not the actual epidemic that's plaguing this country. Well, on that note, we might be a bit downbeat and a bit dispirited and a bit disgruntled. But, you know, look, it's been, um, it's been fun to be with... Ben and Annabelle and Tiahi and Sam and everyone else, and especially you listeners, we might be a little bit dejected, but our love for you is unwavering. And uh, Indeed. we'll be back on Sunday, won't we? Yeah. To um, to preview comb the second through election. the ashes. That's right. <laughs> First <laughs> preview podcast for the second general election of 2023. Kia ora. Kia ora e te iwi, Tiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.